0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Jane Urquhart. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Book of Romans again. And we're in Romans 11 this week. Um... Last week's word from Andy regarding the Jewish people that he had, the vision and the, the word and the prayer that came with it was so, so powerful. And um, if you haven't heard it, I encourage you to go back and listen, but um, I'm just you know wondering what it's provoking in you, Um, and, you know, whether you're seeing the Jewish people in a different light or praying for them a different way or just asking the Lord, 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 do something in my heart and life regarding your heart for the Jewish people and what this means for us as a church. And, And Romans 11 goes into God's heart even more. So we're gonna look at that. Verse one, I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not, says Paul. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. So Paul here is saying, if Jesus or God had totally rejected the Jewish people because he'd just been crucified by them, then there's no way Paul would have just got saved. So they haven't been rejected. Jesus called Paul, which is amazing, amazing. So verse two, no, God has not rejected his own people whom he chose from the very beginning. Do you realize what the scriptures say about this? Elijah, the prophet complained to God about the people of Israel and said, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. In other words, Elijah, you know, so many prophets had come to the Jewish people and they'd Killed them, killed them off and then they even rejected the Messiah and crucified him. And he, when Elijah was complaining to God about them, it's like, God, they wanna kill me too. Can't you do something about them? Can't you do something about them? And God says, do you know what? You're not the only one. I have 7,000 others who have never bowed down to Baal. In other words, God was saying, no, do you know what? I'm not gonna get rid of them. I have 7,000 of them reserved who believe in me, who love me. They haven't bowed, bowed down to idols and I am not gonna get rid of them as a nation. I am preserving a remnant. And it goes on to say, it's the same today. For a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace, his undeserved kindness in choosing them. And since it is through God's kindness, it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. So this is the situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the favour of God they are looking for so earnestly. A few have, the ones God has chosen, but the hearts of the rest were hardened, as the scripture says. God has put them into a deep sleep. To this day, he's shut their eyes so they do not see and closed their ears so they do not hear. In other words, because they'd rejected them, he's put them in a, like a sleep, like they have a veil over their eyes and they can't see him and turn to him. But we know that isn't the end of the story. We know that it isn't going to stay like that for them. We know, and we've been learning over the last two chapters, the reason they didn't believe was so that the gospel would then come to us. Okay, so I've come into salvation because it didn't, the story didn't end with them. The gospel came to the Gentiles. Romans eleven eleven. Did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. They were disobedient, so God made salvation available to the Gentiles but he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when they finally accept it. This is amazing, okay? Let's just carry on into verse 13. I am saying all this, especially for you Gentiles, God has appointed me as the Apostle to the Gentiles. I stress this for I want somehow to make the people of Israel jealous of what you Gentiles have, so I might save some of them. For since their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance will be even more wonderful. It will be life for those who were dead. This is amazing because the words used in here are that although they've been blinded for a, a time, the words here are saying that when they do accept it, something's gonna change, something amazing is going to happen. When they do finally accept, when they do believe it will be life from the dead, that's revival, that's, that's what's coming this worldwide harvest revival of Jew and Gentile together. Why is Paul stressing this so much that God has not rejected his people? Because the Roman church were struggling with the Jewish people. They were struggling to accept them. That's why Paul is writing this. And he goes on to say in the rest of uh, Hebrews 11, um, don't become proud which they did do and we're gonna look at that in a couple of weeks time and what that then resulted in. He's stressing God has not rejected his people because you Gentiles are gonna be the vehicle through which Jews are going to become jealous and then be saved. So can you see what's, what's playing out here? We cannot reject them because we are the ones to bring them to jealousy. We are the ones to lead them. We are, we are the ones to say, hey guys, your Messiah is so amazing. He's done so much in my life. He's changed me. He's saved me. He has loved me. This father of yours is now my father and has accepted me and healed me and delivered me and blessed me. Every blessing that I live in and you live in now because we are saved is to provoke the Jews to jealousy. If we reject them, We don't lead them back to him. And this is what Paul is stressing here. The heart of Jesus wept over his people um, when they rejected him. And let's read that in Matthew 23, verse 37. Jesus, uh, it's the, the day before he's going to be crucified, or within a couple of days, he's going to be crucified. He's in Jerusalem. And he's looking over the city and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me, which is the same, basically the same as what God was saying in Romans 10. All day long, I held up my arms to you and you refused me. This is the heart of Jesus and the father for Israel, for Jerusalem, for the Jewish people, that he longs to gather them into his arms, but they wouldn't let him. In verse 38, he says, and now look, your house is abandoned and desolate. And Jesus went on to say that all of those buildings, all the temple, everything that they could see in Jerusalem was going to be completely demolished and not one stone would be left on top of another. And Jesus was warning about what was coming, that the Romans were going to destroy Jerusalem and that their temple would be destroyed and they would be left desolate, without temple, without God's presence. But Jesus went on to say in verse 39, For I tell you this, you will never see me again until you say, Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. There's an until, when they call on him, when they cry out to him, when they believe on him and they say, blessed are you, the one who comes in the name of the father, when they actually acknowledge that he is their Messiah, the son of God, then they will see him again. He will come to them and he's going to come to them. And this is his promise and this is his heart. And this is what happened Within 40 years of Jesus prophesying that everything would be destroyed, the Romans attacked Jerusalem. They completely destroyed Jerusalem. The temple was destroyed. And if you go there now to the the wall, the Western wall in uh, what remains of it in Jerusalem, you can still see the stones left one on top of the other where they came, where they fell. Many of the Jews died then, there and then. Many of them, them, uh, the rest of them were dispersed or taken into captivity. But this was not the end of their story. And uh, we're gonna read Ezekiel 37, well-known passage, um, the Valley of Dry Bones. And um, it says, the Lord took me, took hold of me and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord. This is Ezekiel speaking, to a valley filled with bones He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones become a living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. And he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life and you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. And suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones and skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man, speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. And he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel you may have heard this word um, prayed and spoken over the church but actually it's a word to the people of Israel they are saying we have become old dry bones all hope is gone our nation is finished therefore prophesy to them and say this is what the sovereign Lord says O my people I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again and I will bring you back to the land of Israel When this happens to my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. And you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. I will gather the people of Israel from among the nations. I will bring them home to their land from the places where they have been scattered I will unify them into one nation on the mountains of Israel. One king will rule them all. No longer will they be divided into two nations or into two kingdoms. They will never again pollute themselves with idols and vile images and rebellion. For I will save them from their sinful backsliding. I will cleanse them. They will be, truly be my people and I will be their God. My servant David will be their king and they will have only one shepherd. That's Jesus, yeah? They will obey my regulations, be careful to keep my decrees. They will live in the land I gave my servant Jacob, the land where their ancestors lived. They and their children and their grandchildren after them will live there forever, generation after generation. And my servant David will be their prince forever. And I will make a covenant of peace with them, an everlasting covenant. I will give them their land and increase their numbers and I will put my temple among them forever. I will make my home among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And when my temple is among them forever, the nations will know that I am the Lord, the God who makes Israel holy. So, this is speaking of an ingathering, a pouring out of his spirit, of them living with Jesus as their Lord, and the temple once more, his presence amongst them that the whole world will know that it's God who makes Israel holy. These are, this is in process, but this is also stuff that's to come, amen? And we want to, let's have a look at Jeremiah 31 as well, cause there's some amazing, amazing promises in here. Jeremiah 31 verse seven. Now this is what the Lord says, sing with joy for Israel, shout for the greatest of nations. Shout with praise and joy, save your people, O Lord, the remnant of Israel, for I will bring them from the north and from the distant corners of the earth. I will not forget the blind and lame, the expectant mothers and women in labor. A great company will return. Tears of joy will stream down their faces and I will lead them home with great care. They will walk beside quiet streams and on smooth paths where they will not stumble. For I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my oldest child or my firstborn. Listen to this message from the Lord, you nations of the world. Proclaim it in distant coastlands. The Lord who scattered his people will gather them and watch over them as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Israel from those too strong for them. They will come home and sing songs of joy on the heights of Jerusalem. They will be radiant because of the Lord's good gifts. The abundant crops of grain, new wine and olive oil and the healthy flocks and herds. Their life will be like a watered garden and all their sorrows will be gone. Is not Israel still my son, my darling child, says the Lord? I often have to punish him, but I still love him. That's why I long for him and surely will have mercy on him. Set up road signs, put up guideposts, mark well the path by which you came. Come back again, my virgin Israel. Return to your towns here. How long will you wander my wayward daughter? For the Lord will cause something new to happen. Israel will embrace her God. Amazing. Amazing verses. Verse 31. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel. On that day, says the Lord, I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Verse 36, I am as likely to reject my people Israel as I am to abolish the laws of nature. Wow, that's amazing. This is what the Lord says. Just as the heavens cannot be measured and the foundations of the earth cannot be explored, so I will not consider casting them away for the evil they have done. I, the Lord, have spoken. The day is coming, says the Lord, when all Jerusalem will be rebuilt for me. Amazing, amazing promises that even though they've rejected, And they were dispersed. They lived amongst the nations. God's promise is to bring them back and to bring them back as his people where he loves them and never to break covenant with them. He's going to pour his spirit out onto them. In their their regathering, there's some amazing verses in Isaiah 60 that speak about the role of the Gentiles in the Jewish people being regathered and brought home. So let's have a look, Isaiah 59 verse 20. The redeemer will come to Jerusalem to buy back those in Israel who have turned from their sins, says the Lord. And this is my covenant with them. My spirit will not leave them and neither will these words I've given you. They will be on your lips and on the lips of your children and your children's children forever. I, the Lord have spoken. Isaiah 60, arise, shine. Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Look and see for everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands and your little daughters will be carried home. Your eyes will shine, your hearts will thrill with joy, for merchants from around the world will come to you. Yet vast caravans of camels will converge on you, camels of Midian and Ephah. The people of Sheba will bring gold and frankincense will come worshipping the Lord. And what do I see flying like clouds to Israel, like doves to their nests? They are ships from the ends of the earth, from lands that trust in me. They are bringing the people of Israel home from far away, carrying their silver and gold. That's amazing that Isaiah sees, like clouds, ships bringing people home. It says, from lands that trust in God, which is amazing that God God has been at work in the nations. He's been at work in the Gentiles. He's been at work in the church to help Jewish people go home. This is just, this is just incredible. They're bringing the people of Israel home. They will honor the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has filled you with splendor. Foreigners will come to rebuild your towns and their Kings will serve you. For though I have destroyed you in my anger I will now have mercy on you through my grace, and your gates will stay open day and night to receive the wealth of many lands. The kings of the world will be led as captives in a victory procession, for the nations that refuse to serve you will be destroyed. Though you were once despised and hated with no one traveling through you, I will make you beautiful forever, a joy to all generations. Powerful kings and mighty nations will satisfy your every need, as though you were a child nursing at the breast of a queen. You will know at last that I, the Lord, am your saviour and your redeemer, the mighty one of Israel. I will exchange your bronze for gold, your iron for silver, your wood for bronze, your stones for iron. I will make peace your leader and righteousness your ruler. Violence will disappear from your land. The desolation and destruction of war will end. Salvation will surround you like city walls and praise will be on the lips of all who enter there. No longer will you need the sun to shine by day, nor the moon to give its light by night. For the Lord your God will be your everlasting light and your Lord will be your glory. Your sun will never set, your moon will not go down. For the Lord will be your everlasting light. Your days of mourning will come to an end. All your people will be righteous. They will possess their land forever. For I will plant them there with my own hands in order to bring myself glory. The smallest family will become a thousand people and the tiniest group will become a mighty nation. At the right time, I, the Lord will make this happen." These are amazing promises of the Gentiles being involved in bringing God's people back home, carrying them home, providing wealth for them in their land. So many amazing promises in scripture. And this is why, Paul is stressing, don't reject them because you are gonna be involved in bringing them home, in loving on them, okay? So they basically were dispersed as a nation until um, 1948 when they were gathered together as a a nation back in their homeland after nearly 2000 years. In 1948, when they regathered became nation Israel, there were about 600,000 Jews living there at that time. And it was estimated that there were 25 believers. That's a remnant, hey, that's, that's a small amount. That's 25 believers out of 600,000 people that were in the land. And that regathering is still going on today. Now there's about, um, I think it's about 9 million people in Israel today, about 7 million are, nearly 7 million are Jews, and then the rest are are Arabs, all living in the land together. And they think there's about 30,000 or over 30,000 believers now um, in the land, believers in Jesus. So, like I said, this regathering is still going on because there are still many, many Jewish people dispersed in the nations, and many of them are in, in the West, in the States, um, and actually, this year alone, about thirty thousand Jewish people from Ukraine and Russia have have gone have gone to Israel, have gone home. Um, these are ones who have a right to return because that because of the birth, because of their family line. And with what's going on with with many people leaving uh, Russia and Ukraine, still at the moment, um, we know that many of those will be Jews desperate to to go home. So we know we are in days of, of regathering still, and it's and it's our responsibility as the Gentiles to be involved in what God is doing in the earth, in the nations. And that is why and- Andy's um, word and vision from the Lord and ch- um, charge to us not to forget the Jewish people because we have as the Gentile church responsibility towards them. So we know that we are to be involved in the process of of them coming home and and of them believing in him. And uh, I had a conversation um, a few years ago with um, a a wife of a, a prominent rabbi politician in Israel and she said to me, Uh, as a Jewish woman, she said, we need you Gentiles. She said, there is no return to the land without you and there is no salvation for us without you. And I was so impacted by those words from from a Jewish person. Let me just say that again. She said, we need you Gentiles. So we're, we're not to be Jews, Jews and Gentiles are very distinct uh, roles, okay? If you're a Gentile, you're a Gentile, I'm a Gentile. And um, my role is to come alongside the Jewish people uh, with my salvation, with the love of God, with the heart of Jesus and make them jealous, provoke them to jealousy. And she said, we need you Gentiles. So I'm not to be Jewish. I am not to convert Judaism. I am I'm not to take on their their who they are and their culture and be like them. I have a specific calling. We have a specific calling. She said there is no return without you and there is no salvation for us without you, which is amazing. In the book of Ruth in the Old Testament, It's an amazing story of a Jewish woman, Naomi, and her Gentile daughter-in-law, Ruth, who come together um, for God's purposes to be fulfilled. And they make the journey from Moab, where there's famine, to Bethlehem, where there is food. So it's back to Naomi's homeland. Um, They make the journey together. And um, Ruth Ruth is amazing because Ruth has recognized that um, Naomi's God, the God of Israel, is is someone she wants to be aligned to. Okay, so she says to Naomi, I'm going with you back to your land. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. So she's a Gentile, but she's aligned herself to the God of Israel, okay? Who she recognizes is a good God. And she recognizes this is Naomi's God as a Jewish woman. And they make this journey, they go to Bethlehem, And there's harvest there, there's food there. And Ruth, a Gentile, um, ends up marrying Boaz, the, the owner of this field. And she actually then becomes the grandmother or great grandmother of King David. So you can see how this Jew and Gentile working together, coming together, loving one another, working together, God brings them together for his purposes. Because if Naomi had um, starved to death in Moab, there wouldn't have been a David and there wouldn't have been a Jesus. So I just think it's so interesting, but also exciting how God wants to use us Gentiles with the Jewish people to help, um, to align together for God's purposes to be outworked in the earth. So we know that God is calling his church to um, come alongside the Jewish people and, and we pray for them, I even mean, if we don't know any, that we could be praying for them and our hearts are turned toward them. And like Andy's vision was, as soon as we do that, as soon as we turn toward them, it's like his light shines, Jesus, they, they start to see him. And, and as this Jewish lady said to me, there's no return without our help, There's no salvation without us being involved and loving on them and yeah, being Jesus to them. Um, So we're in those days where more and more Jewish people are turning to the Lord than ever before. And Jesus said, didn't he, that they won't see him again until they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And those are the days that we are in now. Yes, they're still coming home, more and more coming home from all over the nations, but more and more being saved today than ever. So these are exciting days that we're in. Shall we pray? Yeah, Father, I thank you for these days that we're in. Father, I thank you for the call on us, the Gentile church, to stand with your people to not reject them, but to love them and to help them in any way we can, Lord, in any way you put before us. For them to come home to their land, to their birthright, to their inheritance, for them, for them to come into everything you die to give them. Lord, you promised to restore them and pour out your Holy Spirit upon them and revelation of you, Lord Jesus, that you will open their eyes. You will open the eyes of their heart. You will open their ears, that they will see, they will hear, and they will believe in you, Father. And we thank you, Lord, that you never rejected them. On the cross, Jesus, you forgave them. You forgave them for what they were doing to you. And Father, I pray for us as a church, the church, we would come into your heart, for them and work with you, your plans and purposes for their salvation. It will be life from the dead and worldwide revival and harvest. Yeah, Father, I thank you that for every Naomi, every Jewish person that is around us that's in a place of famine You place a roof around them. Lord, a Gentile with your heart to bring them to you, to lead them out of famine and into your abundance in these days. Father, we thank you for your calling on us. We thank you for the anointing of power of your Holy Spirit